confidence. I keep saying it over and over again, but I think that's the area that women really lack. So there's, you know, this article that talks about a job posting and the job posting, a woman looks at it and a man looks at it. And both of them are about 60% qualified for that position. A man says, yes, I can do it. I know most of it. I'll figure out the rest. A woman says, I'm not qualified for it because I'm only 60% qualified. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Celebrating five years. In celebration of Ultimate Guide to Partnering's fifth birthday, I'm releasing this special leaders series spotlighting some of the most amazing business leaders that have come to this platform who lift their voices to help each of us achieve what we thought was just potential. This episode of the podcast features Jennifer Didier, the president and CEO of Directions Training. I've often said that leaders need to lead during this time, and Jennifer is on a bold course to empower women in technology and her commitment and investments toward the mission is exemplary. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed welcoming Jennifer DDA. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I've been friends with the founders of PartnerTap for many years, and PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. I'm so excited to have them on board. Be on the lookout for events, content, and more. And I'm so excited to continue working together in our exciting year ahead. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I am so excited to welcome you to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the CEO and founder of Directions Training, a woman-owned partner business. So can you tell our listeners more about your company? I'm Jennifer Didier. I'm the president and CEO of Directions Training, a training and certification organization. We help organizations adopt technology through training. And we've been in business since 1991, celebrating our 30-year anniversary this year. So we're really excited. It's had quite an evolution over the years. We started out with applications training, like in those days, we did Lotus 1-2-3, WordPerfect, and then went into tech. And now we do Microsoft, Citrix, Cisco, VMware, many technologies. 
And we started in Chicago, then we went national, and now we're global. That's fascinating. What a great story. And 30 years in technology. I mean, what an evolution we've all been seeing this past week with the release of Windows 11. We'll want to talk a little bit more about that. But what are are some of the most amazing things that you think you've seen in these 30 years? Wow. You know, we started with DOS and I love DOS (laughs) because (laughs) I could troubleshoot things so much easier than when we went into Windows and people would get click happy. And I had no idea where they were when I was trying to troubleshoot as an instructor. So that was a big, big change. But now we don't even look back. Technology is just amazing from where we've come. And now our phone is our camera. It's our clock. It's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. And you you and I share some passions. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, right? The technology being one of them for sure but also around diversity and women in technologies. You're an active member in the women in technology movement. And I hope you might share with our listeners more about your passion here. I've always been passionate about bringing more women into technology. And when my daughter went to college, she was part of a women in business group. And they asked me to come speak. At the end of my speech, I said, you know, how many of you are looking for a career in technology and not one hand went up. And I realized this is too late. We really need to start working on girls uh, eight to 13 to get them interested and curious about technology early on. And so that was kind of an aha moment for me, but I also am one of the co-founders of the WIT Network, which is now a global organization and has over 7,000 members. Our mission is really to bring more women into technology, give them more confidence, because if you saw the, the numbers, you know, they keep declining anyway. And then last year with the pandemic, it was just very sad that women left the workforce in the millions. Yeah. And it just really made me sad to say, okay, we really need to do something to create parity and culture for women to be in technology. So I'm very passionate about this. You know, we've had our mutual friend, Gabriella Schuster on the podcast discussing the same topic, women, girls not getting into STEM and then not getting into tech, even if they have a passion around it, but not wanting to be the only woman in the room. What, what, what are you doing specifically to address this? So, you know, last year, I keep listening to these numbers. And as I said, they keep declining. So last year, I said, what can I do in my small way? These numbers are not changing. I thought, if I start a certification program in technology and get women to start down that path, maybe they'll build their confidence, they'll get excited, and they'll stay in the field. So I gave away 50 scholarships to women that wanted to take the Azure Fundamentals training and certification. Within 18 hours, we had 200 applicants that we had to choose from. So we picked the top 50 and provided them everything that they needed to take the class. We made it time respective where we did one hour a week so that, you know, if they had a lot of things they were juggling, they could still make it. We provided an online platform also for them to do homework and just practice and rehear the material. And then we did test prep and certification exam. Many of these women went through and took the certification exam, passed it, but that was only part of the impact. 
women said, you know, it gave them the confidence to talk more intelligently about the jargon within the technology industry. At different times when they were never called to the table, they were starting to be called to the table. A couple women got promoted into technology marketing type jobs. So it was very, very successful. And then Microsoft saw that and they loved it. And so they funded two more cohorts. And so we did 100 women last year, put them through this training and certification program. So getting even more excited about it, we said, how do we scale this? This is, you know, 100 women is great, but we need thousands to really to bridge that gap. And so we are now uh, doing 1,000 women in AI and Azure. Uh, We have two paths that they can take, and it is also completely, completely funded. So it doesn't cost them a penny. It is also time respectful. And it starts in September. So hopefully some of your listeners that might be interested, you know, we can provide a link where they can register. 1,000. That is fascinating to me. I would love to provide a link in our show notes. So Jennifer, hopefully we're coming out of this time like no other. How has the pandemic impacted you and your business? So we've been a remote company for about seven and a half years now. We were not always remote, but about seven years ago, we decided we are a national company Uh, We're a global company and we're doing business everywhere in all time zones. People are not all in the same office because we hired people all around the country. About seven and a half years ago, we decided, okay, we're going to be remote. And the biggest challenge at that time was to convince our customers that they can learn virtually and virtually is not on demand. It is with an instructor it's just not in the same room as the instructors. So we, we laugh and say, you can't touch the instructor's nose, but everything else is the same. And the beauty of it is they don't have to commute. They don't have to fight traffic. And a lot of times they're in IT roles. Sometimes they need to be pulled away to take care of a, an issue and they can always retake the class. At that time, the challenge was, how do you get them to believe that remote is just as good as in-person? The pandemic really changed all of that. Now we don't have to ever convince them <laughs> because they know they can do it and it's it's very successful. For me personally, it really gave me a whole new view on empathy. When you work from home and you're just working and your kids are not home, they're in school, whatever, and if you have a small kid, somebody is taking care of them. But in this pandemic, there was all kinds of challenges that we had to deal with. Kids learning from home, one internet connection, several devices on there, daycares being closed, just really, really challenging. People really stepped up. Our employees did an amazing job, but it really stepped up my empathy level because, you know, I'm pretty you know, strict on this is how it goes and this is how I run my business. My empathy level really grew, which I loved about this time. It really showed that people are really wanting to do the right thing and doing everything they can to do it. The other thing it taught us is to do more with less because hiring was like impossible. There's even now hiring is very, very challenging because there's not a lot of talent out there looking for work. You know, I love what you had to say here. You know, this empathy, we all became used to, it it, it didn't matter anymore. We weren't bothered by the fact that the kids came in the room or the dog or the cat was on the computer. And we all learned to work within this new world. 
And then, you know, it's interesting what you had to say, right? Because it, there was this uh, virtual versus in-person world. A lot of us that have been in tech have lived through that. And now it doesn't matter where you are. We've realized because of what's how education has transformed overall, K-12, higher ed, uh, we've seen it across all of our lives. Right. So true. So you have launched a successful podcast. Welcome to the podcast world. I just, I love that. Tech in the right direction. And I was hoping you could tell our listeners more about it. I think it ties into some of the passion that you have in, in uh, women in technology. Yes. So Tech in the Right Direction is a podcast that's focused on driving social change, closing the employment pay and culture gap for women in technology. So it's really focused on getting so much awareness out in the world about how women can contribute to this industry very, very successfully. I love that. I love that. And bringing the awareness, you know, doing it all the time, right? Because, you know, you you could offer up 50 scholarships or even a thousand scholarships, and that becomes almost like a one and done event. But you are continually interviewing people. And tell us more about the type of guests that you interview on the podcast. Yeah, so we really look for women that can be role models for girls, for other women, that they can look at them and say, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. So they can see themselves in that person. So we've had guests from Microsoft, some, I don't know if you know, Tiffany Bova from Salesforce. We've had I do. lots and lots of really, really successful women from all over the world. I mean, there's the last podcast I think I did was a woman from Germany that, that started a camp for girls to bring them into STEM and technology and is doing really, really great work. And the, the beauty of it is that what I'm seeing is that it is making a difference, maybe in my small way, but it is making a difference because now I'm getting media people coming to me saying, we want to have this guest and this guest, this woman who's very successful, we want her to be on your show. And I'm like, wow, that is making a difference. And people are joining with my passion. So it's really exciting. It is exciting. And, you know, you mentioned Tiffany Bova. She's been a guest twice on this podcast. In fact, I've got her book, Growth IQ, just about 10 feet away from me here in my office. Me too. <laughs> it's an amazing book, by the way. I love, I love what she's done. So this episode is getting featured just before Microsoft's big Inspire conference. I know you do a lot of work in the Microsoft ecosystem. We have a lot of the same friends and we operate in a lot of the same circles. What messages do you hope to hear from Microsoft leaders this year? So I know Microsoft is doing a great, great job around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'd like to see more of that at Inspire. I would like to hear from their leadership how they're going to bridge this gap. And, and they're doing some amazing work with an organization called BCPA, which is a Black Channel Partner Alliance. They, they support women in technology. You know, there's a lot of work being done, but I'd like to hear the leaders really promote and evangelize some of the work that they're doing. It also is such a great event. I mean, I miss it in person, but it also gives us the opportunity as partners to connect with partners from all over the world. I've created some really great friendships and learning experiences through this event. And so I'd love to continue that. And then the most important piece is 
understand their goals and visions for FY22 and align ourselves with those so that we can grow with them, which we've done every year for many, many years. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you here. First of all, around the diversity initiatives, right? Uh, more focus there, certainly needed and much appreciated. And then also, you know, I'm, I'm interested too, now that Rodney has taken the helm, Gabrielle is passing the torch. I don't know if it's a different tone or maybe more emphasis on one area or another. I personally believe that Microsoft has done, of course, the most amazing job of any tech company, in my opinion. But I also think there's room for improvement as with any program. So I'm interested as well. I agree. I think there's a lot of work we can do. And I'm excited to see Rodney's leadership and, you know, where it takes us to that next level. Because Gabriella was, I mean, he has big shoes to fill, right? Because she was so passionate about this topics. Yeah, absolutely. And he's been a guest here on the podcast, and I'm hoping to have him back again this fall. So Jennifer, as you know, this is the ultimate guide to partnering. We focus in on what makes successful partnerships and directions training has its own partner program and worked with partners, obviously throughout your career. So I'd love to uncover with you some of the success principles of the best partnerships. What do you believe makes a great partner? So that's a great question. Partnering is very, very important to me and my business. And we've grown our business through partnerships. The qualities that make a great partner is that your goals and values align for the partnership. That's very important to make sure that you're partnering with somebody that thinks the same way as you in, in relationship to customer experience, in relationship to trust in relationship to uh, integrity. And those are really, really key pieces to a partnership. But one of the big things I like to say is you can have all the contracts in the world, but you have to like each other. And if you don't like each other and you don't trust each other and you don't work together instead of against each other, it won't be successful. So you have to like the person that you're working with because all the contracts in the world are great to support and protect you but again, you have to work with this partner on a daily basis, and then you're introducing the partner to your customer. So you want to make sure that you like them, you trust them, they have the same values, you're aligned with them. You know, trust is so fundamental. It's almost foundational to everything about partnerships. And this whole concept of, you mentioned shared vision, shared values, right? You need to have a shared reason for going to market together, and then you have to trust each other that you're going to have open and honest and integrity in the relationship. And I always say that, you know, the best ways to do that as you're starting out to partner with somebody is start out small. Start with one deal at a time. Don't plan the long term unless you see the results. So start out small, you know, crawl before you walk, before you run. You can really feel and build that trust and relationship over one deal at a time. So what about organizations that fail partnering? Trust is certainly foundational. What advice would you give to those organizations that you had struggled with in the past? So a couple things. One is that you have to remember that the partner's day-to-day -day life does not include you. <laughs> I say that, you know, because, you know, training is a great piece of any system integrator, LSP, you know, any of the partnerships, ISVs. So we work with them, but on a daily basis, they are out there 
you know, promoting and selling their products and services. I think where it fails is when we are not collaborative and we are not aligned. So now the partners that we have, we have a paragraph about training in all of their proposals, whether the customer wants it or not, it's in there and they can choose if they want it or not, which is really great because it shows them as a full service organization, but it also puts us in front of every customer and vice versa. We put paragraphs about their business into our proposals in case our customers need that type of help. So I think where it fails is where there's no collaboration and it's not mutually beneficial. Yeah. I almost refer to it as deliberate enough or aggressive enough in terms of the relationship. Like you have to really work at it, just like a marriage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I love the fact that you're proactively doing that with your partners. So we discussed a bit about your background as a woman entrepreneur. 30 years, that is fantastic. I would love, you know, I, I can imagine, I mean, I can't imagine really what it was like 30 years ago to start a woman-owned business. What was the greatest challenge you had getting started? Well, when I started back in 1991, I was everything, right? I was the janitor. I was the instructor. I was doing paperwork. I was doing billing. I was doing everything. So we started out small. But I think the biggest challenge in technology is to build the confidence or the, the muscle that you need to be the only woman in the room, which is really, really tough. There have been many times I've walked in with my salesperson who was male the entire room would look at me as the salesperson and him as the manager or the director or whatever. Just really interesting. I was in a room full of men. I was the only woman. I had that with my salesperson where they gave him eye contact for the entire presentation and none to me. And at the end of the meeting, I had given out my card and the tables turned. It was so interesting that everybody started talking to me suddenly because they saw my title. That is really a big challenge because, you know, immediately they assume there's this bias, unconscious bias that, you know, the woman is not. So it was really interesting. But over the years, I've overcome that because, you know, I have to be confident in what, what we are proposing. I have to be able to provide a solution that really fills the need that the customer needs. And then everything else falls into place. So the confidence is very, very important. And I think if, you know, women can just build that confidence muscle, I think it's so critical. I love what you had to say here. You know, I was thinking through the, been in that room before with women that were in leadership roles and yet people were looking at their direct reports. Do, have you seen a noticeable shift in the last few? Of course, we haven't had in-person meetings in a while, but have you noticed the shift? A little bit, definitely to some extent, but really it's not where it needs to be. And we have a lot of work to do because both on women as well, we need to continue to build that confidence muscle with them so that they feel confident to walk into the room. They're not intimidated. They're not shying away from those opportunities because they're not comfortable. So I think we need to build both sides. Absolutely. So when you got started, was there something that got you off on the path to where you are today? Yes. So, you know, I started in 1991. And like I said, we, we grew 
applications training into tech training. So in 2003, actually in 2000, because I wanted to learn more about the technical industry, I put directions on pause. I went to work for an organization that did technical training. So I ran their Oak Brook location and I learned all about the technical side of it because it is different. It's a different audience. It's an IT pro audience. It's not the end user. So I learned all about that. And in 2000, we got a call from them saying, sorry, we are seizing operations and everybody is done. And we were shocked. We knew there were some, you know, payment issues and stuff like that, but closing the entire 30 location company was just a big shock. But the owner had had some some challenges with his son and he really did not want to continue to grow the company and invest money into it. So they ended up shutting down and I was running the Oak Brook location and I was responsible for telling all my staff that, you know, we didn't have jobs, including myself. Wow. I had about a $25,000 expense report that they told me, sorry, we can't pay you because we're going in bankruptcy. And so it was like, okay. So I told my staff, this is it. And it was really hard for me to do that because I had an instructor that had like nine kids and I was thinking, oh my God, you know, what is he going to do? I let them know. And somebody said to me, one of the employees, they said, you know, Jennifer, you can do this. You can do this on your own. You don't need them. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I was thinking about this $25,000 debt that I had and all of that. I'm like, no, I can't do it. After three days, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I said, are you stupid? This is this is what you need to do. You need to reinstate directions and you need to go into the tech industry. Nice. And so I said, yes, I was going to do that. I took a homeowner's loan, actually. And I reached out to the president of the company and I said, there's many organizations that you know, we promised training to that we have not delivered. Are you okay with me taking that over? And she said, yes, absolutely. So that was a very pivotal point, and it got us to where we are today. That's a fantastic story. I can't imagine what it was like to be in your shoes for those three days, right? You've it got twenty five thousand. Yeah, you've got twenty five thousand. That's a lot of money back in two thousand, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to be taking on all these responsibilities for all the people. Of additional people- payroll and you know people, and I was like, no, I can't do this. And then I'm like, no, you got to do it. So was there a best piece of advice you received during this time? Uh, We had a company that we worked with that did all applications training. And we partnered with them because they were shutting down as well. And we partnered with them. And so we did a lot of training for them. You know, they were really good about paying us for the first like six months. And in the seventh month, they were not answering any of my accounts receivable person's calls So then it escalated to me and I ended up calling them and saying, hey, you owe us $100,000. The consultant that was working with them said, Jennifer, sorry, we have no money. We're not paying you. You can do whatever you want to try to get it. You're not going to get it. What did you do? I just stopped in my seat and I was like, okay, so what are you going to do? Lawsuits don't work because they've figured out a way to get rid of all the money. So you're not going to get it. So I said to him, I said, Bob, what else do you have? Do you have a receiver? Uh, do you have a customer list? Do you have computers? 
Do you have people that I can hire? What do you have that can help me with this debt? And he said he almost dropped the phone. So he hung up and said, I'm coming out to see you. He came out from Texas to Chicago and sat with me and I got their database. I got three employees that worked for them that knew the customers. And then I got a few computers. Within a month, I recouped that money because we were able to sell to those customers more business and we were able to recoup it. The lesson that I learned from that is that don't react. You know, he said every one of the people he talked to called him every name in the book and then hung up on him and said, see you in court. And I was the only one who said, what else can we do? Can we actually work this out? You know, that equates to me to grit and determination. Mm -hmm. Like, I love what you did, right? You turned a really negative situation around. And like you said, you recouped the monies through what, what you got back in return. Right, right. And it's it's grit, definitely, because it's like, I can't afford to lose $100,000. You know, we need to find a way. And by fighting with him, I'm not going to get there. And, I, you know, some of that I feel like are qualities of women that, you know, we think about that. We don't let ego get in the way. So that's what I think. Well, you certainly did. And that's yeah. an amazing piece of advice. I, we're going to make sure we spotlight that. That is really amazing. I know you do a lot of mentoring. You know, you support this community, this WIC community that we all care about. What recommendations do you give to other women entrepreneurs? Confidence, I keep saying it over and over again, but I think that's the area that women really lack. So there's, you know, this article that talks about a job posting and the job posting, a woman looks at it and a man looks at it. And both of them are about 60% qualified for that position. A man says, yes, I can do it. I know most of it. I'll figure out the rest. A woman says, I'm not qualified for it because I'm only 60% qualified. And it's, it's a confidence issue. So I really, really recommend women to build that confidence muscle, to take ownership because you have to believe in yourself. You can do anything you set your mind to. Um, and I really, really believe that, you know, everything that I've set my mind to, I've accomplished, you know, over time, sometimes you fail and that's okay. You get back up, but that's how you learn to be confident, take ownership and go after your dreams. Do what you want to do. So inspiring. I love what you have to say here. Thanks. So Jennifer, I'm going to have a little bit of fun here. I was just thinking about, I've been listening to some great music updated my Spotify account just the other day. And I was thinking about songs that I love and that inspire me. Can you tell us about five songs that inspire you and that you would take on any playlist with you, no matter what? So this is a, such an interesting question. It takes some thinking, you know, <laughs> I have to <laughs> the whole idea. think about that. It's not like there's so many songs. There's so many artists that I love because I love music. But to pick five and have a meaning to them took a little bit of thinking. So what I came up with is the first one is Happy by Farrell. I, I love that because it's so feel good, right? It just really picks me up. Anytime I'm, I'm not even down, but if I just want to have upbeat music, I'll play that. The second one is House of the Rising Sun, which is an old song by the animals. And it just reminds me of home. It just reminds, my brother used to sing this song really, really loud all over the house. And I just loved 
I, from from when I was younger, I just loved the song. Yeah. And so when I play it, it reminds me of home. Everything I do, I do for you, which is Brian Adams, which was our wedding song. And so we've been married 37 years. And so I love that song. Whenever I hear it, it reminds me of the day we were married. So that's that's really awesome. And then motivational, I love Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Uh, I just love that that sound and the feeling it gives me. And then, of course, who doesn't love Queen, but We Will Rock You by Queen. So those are the ones that I came up with. I, you know, I love your list. I have to tell you, maybe <laughs> maybe because we're maybe of this of a, of a similar generation. I know you're yeah, younger yeah. than I am, but, you know, House, I, I love the animals and House of the Rising Sun is a wonderful song. Brian Adams. I love Brian Adams. Uh, Don't Stop Believing Journey. You know, that got a revival from The Sopranos last episode. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I've been, yeah, it's, it's on my list. And then, you know, Queen, anything by Queen and We Will Rock You is a great motivational song. Cool. What that's a great cool. list you have. I love that's it. That's my list. <laughs> well, we're going to have to publish this list. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned, folks. We're going to probably put out a little Spotify list as a, just as a bonus to this episode. And that's Jennifer, awesome. it has been, it's been inspiring having you today. I mean, what a great story. I didn't know some of it. I really enjoyed having you share your journey, your story, your great nuggets of advice with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. And I also want to say thank you, Vince, for um, being such a great proponent and an ally for women in technology, because you you inspired me when you said you don't all, only need women on your on your podcast. There are also men who are allies that could be on your podcast. And so I'm looking forward to having you as my first mentors podcast coming up soon. Well, I am so honored to be on that list of guests that you've had. And so thank you very much for joining Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And I'll look forward to seeing you soon on Tech in the Right Direction. Thank you so much. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.